Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to a fresh episode of GTF, Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia. Quick programming note. Uh, tomorrow, it's the Bear Their Soul show at uh, 8 p.m. Central with Dan Aguirre and myself. I think Johnny Tantucci is back from the Bahamas. If he is, then we uh, will have fun ribbing him for being sunburned. Um, and on Wednesday, more football talk uh, with the Mac and Reed show at 6 o'clock. And then uh, Danny Shimon and I will co-host Draft on Tap, and we've got hockey shows and baseball shows and blah, 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 best way to stay on top of everything. All of our live programming is to subscribe to our YouTube channel here at Barroom Network. Welcome to all the people in the chat. Let me bring in the star of the show. His name is Greg Gabriel. Greg, how are you, my friend? I'm doing real good. I guess it's it's still morning, so I can say good morning. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> at least in Chicago, it is. <laughs> Chicago is morning. It's my hometown is afternoon. But hey, I don't live there anymore. Only my kids do. And they love it there, huh? Oh, yeah. yeah actually, my, my I've got my whole family's there. Oh, I so, didn't know that. Oh, yeah. And so one, all the one brother, I got one brother in Cleveland. Everybody else in Boston. Okay. Well, what, what the heck is she doing in Cleveland? <laughs> Work. But well, used to work. He retired ten days ago. God love him. Oh, excellent! Congratulations yeah. to him. Yeah. All right, here I, I got to start the show with this, uh, Greg, because I'm a little disappointed in you. Me? What yes. <laughs> At halftime, you send out this post. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got to admit, I never saw this coming. Congratulations to Detroit playing their asses off. Happy for their fans who have never been to a Super Bowl. And guess what? They never will be, Greg, and you should oh, know that. <laughs> I know. I That was an unbelievable play. I, I'll be honest. I was like at halftime, I you know, I go out. My, my wife's in the family room. I'm in, in the room where that, you know, the big projector is. Yeah. And um, I said, you know what? Let, let, let's put on True Detective. This game's over. I go, it, it's, I said, the Super Bowl's Eminem against uh, Taylor Swift. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we're going to turn on True Detective. And then the second half starts in San Francisco, comes back and says, oh, shit, I got to go back and watch. But it, I, I never saw Detroit imploding like that. I mean, and, and that was a total implosion. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that was why I was a little bit surprised at your post because I feel like that team rarely plays four good quarters and especially they have quarter problems where they will have a lead and they will let the team at least threaten them and sometimes lose to them. So, uh th th that team is just you know and and what do you think about the coach's decisions on fourth down? Yeah. He's been doing it all year. He's not going to change his ways of doing things. Right, right. You know, so that, that's the way he does things. Yeah. Is he going to get beat up today? Yeah. But that's how we got there. It's so, very true. Yeah. You know, it's very so, true. Um, 
he's doing what he knows how to do, and and that's fair. They didn't win the game, but I'll tell you the one thing I like. The statement he made after tells the guys, you know, this might be our only chance. Uh, he ain't lying there. I mean, and, and part of it is a loss like that, where you had it in the bag. Yes, that can carry over. Yeah, because you know, it's the last I, game, it can eat at you all off season. Right. And, you know, speaking about the bravado it takes to go for it on fourth down, all of his players know that he's going to do that. And they were probably told we're going to be aggressive on fourth down. And so it's on them when Jamison Williams uh, misses, drops that pass for an easy first down on that fourth down play. That's on him. It's not on the call. That's right. So, that's right. Hey, the player's got to make the plays now. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I I do think, though, to your point that he said after the game, you know, we may never come back. I did think that was a bit dramatic thing to say. I wonder if he regrets saying that. Uh, you know what? He play, he, He's played the league. He knows. Yeah, he sure does know. That's for sure. We, uh, had, you think we of, had him in New York. So, What would you think of the other game, uh, Casey and Baltimore? That would surprise me, too, because – Baltimore totally laid an egg. But, you yeah. know, what's typical is Lamar Jackson's like that in big games. This mm -hmm. isn't the first time. Mm -hmm. You know, he gets in those big pressure games, and you're not seeing quite the same guy. Yeah. Well, and they went away from what has worked for them all season, where they run the ball more than pass the ball. And you can't do that to him. He's just not going to come through for you. Uh, I think it's been proved. And he was thrown deep a lot. Yeah, he was thrown deep a lot too. So uh, poor coaching, I thought, there by John Harbaugh. One of the rare times you can say that about Mr. Harbaugh, that's for sure. That Harbaugh. What? And let me get your take on the other Harbaugh, who's now the head coach at uh, the, with the Chargers. My, my, you know, I almost wrote about this because, you know, I talked to some people I know up in Michigan, and they'll, they'll never write this. But I think it's 100% accurate. I don't think he wanted to leave Michigan. I think he, and, and, and you know, it came out what, about 10 days ago or something like that, where he wanted Michigan, you know, Michigan had a 10 year, $125 million offer on the table. And by the way, he didn't get that much from the Chargers. That's right. So he left money on the table, mm -hmm. but he wanted them to, to guarantee it when, when and if the NCAA comes down on him so really there's no repercussions to him well they can't do that mm -hmm. you know so it tells me that he knows he's in deep doo-doo i'm going to try to be nice today <laughs> with, 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 the, uh, with the ncaa michigan could be mm -hmm. and he's like not nah, but i want to work and so this is my best chance to work yeah took less years i mean you know it, it doesn't take a fool to figure out 10 years, 125, five years. I don't know the exact figure, but the 10 year 125 got a little better ring to it. Yeah. Yeah. That, it does. That, that's hitting lotto now. Mm -hmm. And he's 60 years old. So, you know, he's getting paid till 70 then. You know, it, uh, it, go ahead. It, it does feel like he's running away from the scene of the crime. You know, it's like I did something wrong here at Michigan. I don't want to pay for that those violations anymore. I hate it when I was suspended for four games. My image. Well, he got suspended was, twice now. It was like twice. That's right. Total. That's right. And the thing is, although 
he got suspended by the Big Ten and the school. The NCAA hasn't done anything yet. Exactly. They're still loading yeah. up that shotgun of theirs. Wow. So it's going to be interesting because I assume, although maybe they're going to be nice guys and just drop the whole thing, but I assume the NCAA is going to continue with that investigation. And that of course the, they are. They, okay. have, they have to. Yeah. They, uh, the guy's gone, but so what? They have to. But here's the thing, and, and, and there's a little bit of discrepancy. I'm not 100% sure. If the NCAA comes in and says, he's suspended for six games, even though he's not there. Mm-hmm. The NFL will honor that suspension. Oh, they will, huh? Yeah, okay. that, that's been in print. Okay. What I, but what the, the league does not do or does not honor, to the best of my knowledge, so I'm giving myself an out here, <laughs> is, is they show cause. There have been guys, you know, you can have three-year show cause, which means you can't coach college football during that entire period. Mm -hmm. But the the NFL is not going to prevent a guy from working. They'll honor a suspension. They they won't honor the show costs, Uh, to the best of my knowledge. That that sounds like the right thing to do. Um, And Drew says the league will not suspend Harbaugh. I don't know, Drew. We'll uh, just have to It's been in print, Drew. You know, it's not like I'm making it up. It's been in print, and there's been situations before where – Guys haven't been hired because they were under suspension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Before uh, we get to the main topic, which is building the board and the preliminary board that a lot of teams are starting to do, I want to talk about some of the developments with the Chicago Bears. I guess the first big new bit of news is Eric Washington was hired as the defensive coordinator. You probably know a lot about him because he was with Buffalo. Well, no, he's here. <laughs> that's right. He was. I, I worked with him for three years here. Oh, uh, that's right. I no, forgot. Eric, Eric came here. He was then lobby staff. He was the assistant D-line coach under Marinelli. Mm-hmm. Came from Northwestern where he was the defensive line coach. And, you know, impressive from day one. But then he got even better because – he learned from Marinelli and he in his own right became an excellent NFL defensive line coach. When Ron Rivera got the head coaching job in, in Carolina, one of the first guys he hired was Eric and now Ron had worked with, with Eric here. So uh, there was a connection obviously. And, you know, on, on top of that, then he ended up being, the coordinator down there for two years, I think. And then he went to Buffalo from there. And obviously, I think he's been in Buffalo the last five years or something. Done a pretty damn good job. Then they've been a playoff team every year. Um, Was actually, you know, they had no defensive coordinator this year. The head coach was a defensive coordinator. But if you look, whenever they had press conferences, and there was a defensive coach to talk, it was always Eric. So he was assuming a lot of those duties during the week type thing. Uh, But a very smart guy, very good uh, coach, knows how to teach uh, technique, um, holds players accountable, 
He's not a screamer or a hollerer. Uh, but on top of that, get away from coaching. He's a really good person. He's a good man. I, I, I think it's an excellent hire. Um, Flus is still going to be calling the plays. And I wonder if that's going to be just a one-year thing. Well, because this is a little bit of a new scheme to Eric, uh, mm-hmm. not, a, not a far cry from what Ron had been doing or wanted to do, but it, it's a little bit different. And so I think that, uh, you know, maybe one year as the non-play calling defensive coordinator then maybe gets elevated a year from now, uh, I, I think it's a strong probability. I mean, nothing's a lock. Uh, the interesting thing, though, too, is, is he, and we'll probably find this out at the press conference, is he going to be working with the defensive line, too? And which, you know, another person in there could always help, and especially with his knowledge. And so, you know, I think it's a it's an upgrade to the defense because he's here, and it's an upgrade to the defensive line, being that's his expertise, um, you know, going forward on top of Travis Smith. Uh, Jordan has a question. He says, how, does, how do you feel, Greg, about the fact that the Buffalo's defensive linemen never seem to blossom as well as they should have? Numerous high picks invested in the defensive line, and they should have to try to – and they had to try and hire guys like uh, Leonard Floyd and, and Von Miller, et cetera. Well, I don't agree with that at all. Uh, and I don't know how much Jordan has watched. The media might say that, but – you know, they, they last year, not you know, so this past off season, they um re upped, renegotiated, whatever. Uh, Oliver, the, the three technique, mm-hmm. they had a great year this year. Oliver's a small guy for you know, a, a three technique, he's probably six one, if that, and but he's very explosive. Uh, took a little bit longer to come around. I think a lot of it had to do with his his uh, lack of, of great natural size. But he's also had guys, what the hell's the guy's name? He was Buffalo's first round pick years ago, bounced around, came back last year. So for the 22 season, been there the last two years, playing in the rotation, bunch of sacks. Uh, Epineza, I think, Really didn't play up to a number two draft pick. I thought um, taking him at two was too high to begin with. He didn't run as good as you'd want an edge to run to -hmm. take him in the second round. But he's been, you know, they play a a very strict rotation in Buffalo, just like they they do here. And Epinesa has been a pretty darn good player. Now, they, they didn't play this year with Von Miller most of the year. You know, he, he tore his ACL real late in the season last year. Probably should have sat out this year, but he worked his ass off trying to get back and play. He wasn't close to what he was. They were saying that he probably just in the last couple of weeks, you, they were starting to see the explosiveness that he had. So it's really going to be next year. But they – um the high picks, uh, the, the defensive end for Miami, late first round pick. It wasn't like he was a top 10 pick. Uh, you know, he's a guy, six, six, seven sack, five and a half or six this year. 
Uh, but Leonard Floyd, you know, speaking of Leonard Floyd, Leonard Floyd had a hell of a freaking year with him. Mm-hmm. You know, 10 and a half sacks, um, playing the rotation. Remember last spring, I kept raising, you know, raising my hand. That's the guy to sign. That's the guy to sign. How about this? Because you don't see it too often. He has now gone six straight seasons without missing a game. Wow, I didn't know that. And so, <laughs> and it's odd because he started his career here in Chicago. He had injuries those first two seasons with the Bears. But six straight years now, the last four years, he's averaged 10 sacks a year. You know, he's out, he's out of contract again. He had a one-year contract, and Buffalo can't bring him back. Buffalo's right now today, $43 million over the cap. They, they got to roll some heads, renegotiate a lot of contracts, give a lot of guy a haircut. So, you know, Leonard won't be back. I'd bring him. You can get him for $10 million. I'd get him in a heartbeat because what he is is a pro's pro. You know, he's going to – I wanted him better, you know, more than I, than, than Ngakwe. I proved to be right. He, he's, a, you know, he's a better football player. Mm-hmm. And he fits this scheme better. But hey, is what it is. We'll see what happens. I mean, if Eric really wants him, I'm sure he'll jump on the the table for him when they get close to free agency. But you know, there was a uh, he did an interview last week. Leonard did, and he said, "Hey, I'm no fool. I'm going where the money is." Yep, he yeah. wants to get paid. Yep, and so you know, he he can get. He had some incentives this year. But he had a contract, maybe just a couple dollars more than Ngakwe got. Mm-hmm. To me, there was no comparison. And I, you know, I'm not, I don't dislike Ngakwe. Leonard Floyd's better. Yeah, I I totally agree. And so, the chances of Leonard Floyd coming to the Bears, given that he wants to get paid among the elite or close to the well, elite, I don't know if he wants to be paid among the elite. He just wants to get paid. I mean, you know, he he. He hit one home run after his first year, or he leaves here, signs with the Rams, a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. And then he hits the jackpot on a multi-year deal. But then the Rams, three years in, were like, we got to get young. And so they had, they had to start chopping heads. And that's why he was available last year. But he saw all the big money in the signing bonus. He didn't lose any money on that deal. Put it that way. Right. And um, – you know, he'll be 32 years old at the beginning of the season, but which is old for Ryan Poles to, to try to go after. Mm-hmm. But being the fact that he don't get hurt and he shows up every week, it wouldn't shock me if they did a one-year deal with him. He signed a $7 million guaranteed contract with the Bills. How much more do you think it will take – for, to lure him back. To I think Chicago. there's a little more into it than just seven, or maybe maybe I'm wrong. Because I'm looking at Spotrack. It says uh, Leonard signed a one-year, seven million dollar contract with the Bills, including five point eight signing bonus and seven million guaranteed. Oh, okay. Was it? Oh, oh you can get him for you, you'll get him for ten and a heartbeat. Yeah, that's why I was surprised that they signed Indakwe because I believe Indakwe's contract was more than Floyd's contract. Ten, ten million, ten or yeah. ten million or ten and a half million, something like that. Yeah, indeed. So uh, we'll hold out some hope here that maybe the Bears—they certainly have the money. Um, we'll see. 
PJ and uh, Chris Watts wanted to know, do you think that Eric Washington will call plays, or do you think Eberflus is going to said Eberflus is calling plays this year. That's already been, yeah. been put out. So, But do you think there's a chance that Eric is going to assume those duties later, uh, given his – Yeah, I said it earlier. I think next year would be the earliest. Uh-huh. He'll do it in the preseason. Um, and then – I don't, it, it, unless you know they're really good and they've clinched their games or something, then you know, then that's a different story. Uh, but I think Flus will call the plays this year because it, there is differences in what Flus has done versus what Eric's been in. Some similarity too. There's a lot of similarity. Mm-hmm. So I think that he'll just run the practices. He'll be very involved with the game plan. He just won't make the calls on Sunday. Okay. Um, Question here from Eric. Actually, it's a reminder. He said that you uh, said Eric was in the same class as Rod Marinelli, and he's excited. Tell us more about that comparison. I I said that he I, I in fact I remember the tweet I said I've been around two great defensive line coaches mm-hmm. and one was um, Marinelli and the other one was Lamar Leachman early in my career at New York and, and Lamar has now been gone about 10 12 years uh, and then I said you know Eric can be considered you know in that next group after that as, as far as the guys I've been around he's you know he jumps out at you that way and then um, Owen he said don't forget about Dunbar you know he tweeted back at me and Dunbar was pretty good too but I don't think Dunbar can can touch and Dunbar's the Steelers defensive line coach but he was the original D-line coach here in Lovey staff but he was only here a year or two uh but anyway, um, I think that Eric will, even though he's not the D-line coach, he's going to, especially during individual and stuff when you do a lot of teaching, that he's going to be spending a lot of time with the D-line. Very good. All right. Let's see if I got another question or on this topic. Uh, Jake wants to know about Phil Snow. Do you think he's going to be on the staff? I know there's been no official announcement. Know. Yeah. What's your gut feel on Phil Snow and him returning? I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, when he was coaching in college, I met him a few times on school calls, but I really don't know a hell of a lot about him. Uh, reputation is excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's Flus's call, and he might – you know, he's, he's, if this was a college team, would be, he'd be an analyst type mm-hmm. thing, you know, and, and, and that he doesn't do on the field coaching. He does a lot of the research and why not keep him around for that role? Because he, you know, did a good job before. Sure did. PJ wants to know, uh, do you think that Leonard Floyd can play this strong linebacker position? No, he's a defensive end. <clears throat> yeah, that's it. No, and, and uh, the bear in this scheme, the Sam Harvey plays. Look at the snap count that the snap, he played like 13% of the downs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was a, a, a linebacker or edge in a 3-4 here. 
Right. That's right. a whole different scheme. Yeah. And so, no, he's and, and in Buffalo, he was on his feet and down, but he was a defensive end. I know when he was at Georgia, they played him all over the place, including oh, middle yeah, linebacker. Played, yeah, middle linebacker. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to get to uh, a, another hire. Uh, and uh, it's this gentleman here. Kerry Joseph has been named the quarterback's coach. Now, he's n- never played quarterback in the NFL. He did with the Canadian Football Canada. League. Yeah, played in Canada. Uh, and had uh, some NFL coaching experience here in the NFL at the defensive back position. Do you think it's odd that uh, this guy has coached multiple positions, or is that fairly common? No, I think that that makes a well-rounded coach, in my opinion. You know what? Bilicek used to do when he was bringing young guys up through the system. If your expertise was defensive line, he'd stick you on the offensive side of the ball. And, and but you know, just to get a, a look and a feel for what the other side does. And so I, I see nothing wrong with that. Uh, that means he knows and understands the other positions. And I think the guy we ought to give a call to who knows this guy is Jared Payton. And and Jared played with him up in Canada, actually played against him, but knows him uh, up in Canada and, and knows a lot about him. Uh, he was on the staff in Seattle the last couple of years. He assistant quarterback coach uh, last year behind uh, Greg Olson. Um, so, you know, obviously – Waldron wanted him because he was the the first guy hired. So uh, I think you got to, you know, we don't know a lot, but if you have trust in Waldron, then you got to have trust in this guy. Indeed. Indeed. And then there's another guy who's interviewing for a position, a guy named uh, Ike Hilliard. You know, Ike, right? One one of three. I know we drafted him in New York. First round pick, even though he shouldn't have been. Uh, um, that's another story which I'll get to the uh, 1997 draft 7th or 8th pick in the draft mm-hmm. that year um, and as, as part of the story it has nothing to do with him as a player well it does a little bit he had a severe neck injury mm. I think it was his rookie year and you know he had that big halo he had to wear uh, for months on end. And, you know, I started thinking about it. Nobody knows exactly what happened to Leitu, what the, the surgery was. You know, you can't find it anywhere, but it was a neck surgery. I know in Ike's case, he had a, a fusion done and stuff, but he came back and played and wow. played for a long time and played pretty well. So why people keep worrying about Leitu? Oh, interesting. So tell us the story about them being a first well, not being a first round. He's a good, good player in Florida. No, no question about that. But we had a scout who did some work down in the southeast. I'm not going to mention his name. But, you know, we seldom took, and I don't know why, but didn't end up taking a lot of players from his area. And so they're getting a he, you know, goes to the Florida Pro Day. I don't think I ran at the combine for whatever reason. And he comes back, he's got like a 
445 or a 446 on my killers, right? So, okay, he ran pretty good. He just, and, and based on his production, he deserved probably to go where we took him until we got him in camp. And then you saw this guy ain't no 445, 446, maybe a 455. You know, but he, he wasn't, you know, a burner, real fast guy, quicker mm-hmm. than fast guy who could run good rucks. And so then we did some checking of other guys. That, you know, now they got the APT that every team gets a, a copy of. Uh, I still get a copy of it of, of the pro day times. Mm-hmm. You know, so you got to cross check. And if you can't get to the pro day because everything's bunched into four weeks, you still get all the verified information, you know, from all the different measurable drills. Well, we talked to some people that went to that pro, but nobody had them faster than four by four. Nobody. Wow. You know, and, and when, when you go to a, a timing day or even at the combine, there's always a range of times. It's not like you see he ran four, four, three, and that means 50 guys had four, four, three on their watch. <laughs> that's not the way it works you know so um and you got the electronic time the electronic times now are better that back in the day when i when they started doing uh electronic timings at the combine the the electronic part was when you cross the beam at the 10 the 20 and the 40 mm-hmm. but it was hand started they had a guy right there at the starting line um, next to the Steelers scout and he'd be sitting there and he'd push his button when, when the guy started. Well, if he missed the start, the whole time's off. Oh my goodness. Yes. So, and what you had, you know, you also had two hand timers at the 10, the 20 and 40. Mm-hmm. They have forever. First combine was in January 85 and they're, they've been, They've had they've done it the same way in timing ever since then. And so you've got two hand times and the electronic time. Now the electronic time starts as soon as the guy absolutely moves. You know, it's like a track time. Yeah. Okay. So it it's exact. And so you can use that where before there could be a discrepancy if the guy starting the clock made a mistake and that can happen just like a hand timer can your 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 time is only as good as your finger and so it's you know there well let me i'm back up because i'm babbling on here also at the combine for the 40s you're assigned a row they have you're going up from row one all the way up to the top like 30 rows 30 or 32 rows and it's right on an aisle, and that's where the the end of the forty is. Okay. So you can get, and you draw for the row. Well, if you're not in the first five rows, your time you throw your time up. It's useless. Okay. And and but some people, there are people. I mean, I've I've been in the third and fourth row, and I've been in in the twenty fifth row. And when you're in the twenty fifth row. Don't even write the damn time down <laughs> because you are going to be off, you know. So, but 
you get so many different times at the combine. You got your own times from wherever you are. Um, the NFL Network got a guy doing the time, and then they got the official times that they give you a little bit later, and that and those are coming from the from the electronic times. Mm-hmm. And they only give you the fastest one. And there's always two. I, uh, I, that's, that's great insight on that. You know, the other thing that I've learned from you is the measurements, the arm measurements and so forth. How, yeah, yeah, our <laughs> how often that people get that wrong. <laughs> you only and go with the only time you can trust that is, is at the combine. Yeah, indeed. Okay. Let's get to some other questions here and then we'll uh, tackle a couple of other topics here. Um, Sparta asks, Greg, do you think former Bear Scout Josh Lucas will find another job in the NFL as a talent and evaluator? Josh has been going around all the media places, and so he's trying to get his visibility up. Uh, you think he's gonna I didn't get his visibility up? Um, <clears throat> I, I refuse to answer the stuff I know, and I'm not gonna answer. I'll, I'll tell you, okay, I'm not gonna answer on here. All right. Um, what about what Sam Rush is thinking? Do you think that signing the Bears, at, at signing Leonard Floyd at $10 million and at Benenza at 7 to $8 million for a couple of years to round out the defensive line? What do you think about that approach? I'd sign one <laughs> year of Floyd. I wouldn't touch at Benenza. Why? Because I'd rather draft a, a younger guy who can run. Yeah. That's, Benenza is a backup. Yeah. He's not a starter. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's a rotational backup. Who plays hard? You can't take that away from him. But even if he became your starter, he's only going to be like a four sack guy, and you're going to give him seven, eight million. No. Mm. Uh, Jake has a question regarding Caleb Williams. Do you have any indication on what his hand size is? I have a feeling that they're going to be on the smaller side. I don't know. I we'll find out in what three and a half weeks. Now he's listed at six one. Does he look like a six one guy to you? He's probably going to. People think he. Might be a little taller. There's other people who think he won't be six feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll find out. He's a big guy, though. He's a thick guy. I mean, he's a he's at minimum two twenty. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. He is a uh, he looks like a really strong guy. Um, what do you think about Brock Purdy yesterday and the athleticism he showed running the ball? I was impressed. He had a another gear that I didn't think he had uh, escaping the rush there. So that, that was pretty pretty outstanding job. There by was him. one play he had. I was like, holy shit. You know, mm-hmm. it, I think it was in the first half. Uh, Brett Purdy, first of all, I had him rated as a lot higher than a seventh-round pick. But with quarterbacks, you the, the good ones go where they should go or in a lot of cases higher. But then once you get into like the third round, and but even more so starting the fourth round, there's quarterbacks that should be drafted in those areas that teams wait on because he's a quarterback. He's not going to help me. He's going to at where I can draft a guy that's going to help me. You know, and so they get pushed down and they ended up getting. Does that make sense how he said that? Yeah. You know, yeah. It, 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 you know, they, they end up getting drafted later than they deserve to be because the team's going, okay, I can get a defensive end here. I know it could be a decent backup, or I can get a quarterback who's going to be number three. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. taking the defensive end. You know, yeah. 
and and so they start getting pushed down a little bit. Uh, he's a good player. Uh, I really liked him at Iowa State. I did not think his final year was as good as the two previous years. Mm-hmm. Always an overachieving team. You know, Iowa State does not get four and five star recruits. You know, and 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 the big school down the street in Iowa City gets a lot better recruits than Iowa State does. But that team is always very, very well coached. Mm-hmm. Now, if you ever been to Ames, Iowa, you might understand why they don't get because Ames, Iowa, is a dump. Even though it's only thirty miles outside of Des Moines, and Des Moines is not a bad place, but Ames is a dump. But he he's a very smart guy. He's played a shitload of games at Iowa State. He had a lot of experience. He won a lot of games at Iowa State. And so, you know, you're just you're seeing what experience does. You know, people they they want to come out early and, and get that experience. Well, he's the the opposite. He stayed in school. Or they want to come out early and get the money. He stayed in school to get the experience, and it really paid off for him. Excellent. Uh, one last question regarding uh, Ike Hilliard. Sam wants to know, do you know why Ike did not coach last year? Uh, Ike- he, the one, the part of the one staff got let go, so he was uh, – that happens sometimes. And if you're under contract mm-hmm. and you've been coaching years yep. and years and years and, you, you know, you never see your family and – Sometimes you say, you know what, I'm taking this year off. <laughs> I'm getting paid, so I'm going to take this year. But I don't have the exact answer, but I know, and, and this is probably going back six years, seven years or something, I killed your was talked about as one of the next great ones. But I'll tell you, you know, you got, there's three guys that we know of because Sanjay Lyle pulled himself out of consideration. Rob Moore, Ike Killiard, and Chris Beatty, all of them have excellent reputations around the league. It's like you can't lose with them, any of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, Rob Moore, I, I scouted at Syracuse a gazillion years ago, was a great pro. Uh, he's soft spoken, kind of reminds me of. You know, the coach we had here, the wide receiver coach we had here, Daryl Drake, under Lovey. And Daryl was, if I had to rate wide receiver coaches, he might be the best I've been around. Daryl died four years ago. Mm-hmm. So he, had a, he was working for Pittsburgh. And uh, I think Ike might have replaced Daryl or Ike was right before Daryl uh, at, at Pittsburgh. But the uh, Daryl had a heart attack during training camp. So this was in August. Mm-hmm. And taken to the hospital. You know, Pittsburgh's training camp is, is down in La Trobe at St. Francis. Um, so they take him to the local hospital in La Trobe and say, yeah, heart attack. You're staying here for a few days. No, I got a meeting tonight with my players. And that, that's the way Daryl was. Mm-hmm. So he said, screw it. I'm going out. I'm going back to the camp. He went back to camp. It was dead like four hours later. Wow. That's so sad. Jeez. And what a great, great guy. And he was, he said, he, now he could yell a little bit, but more mild mannered. Mm-hmm. He could 
really the, the players really bought in because he really knew how to teach. Good teachers, that's what you need in uh, position coaches and and guys that know how to build a relationship with players. I've got questions in the queue from Tim Willis, Saran Glover, Steve Oneway, Jay Sanders, FFG Style. Uh, John Dalton is asking for help. Somebody, uh, he's he's at a gas station. <laughs> he's, he's, he's run out of gas. He's asking for help. <laughs> Jake Moores and Russell. <laughs> Tell us, send us the address, uh, Mr. Dalton, and we'll uh, send a, we'll send an uh, emergency crew right out to, to you. Uh, but before we get to those questions, I want to talk about this young man here. He is the wide receiver out of South Carolina. We were asked about him last week. Greg said he was going to do some work on Xavier Leggett. What do you got on him, Greg? In some years, probably not this year, he'd be a first-round pick. That guy's pretty damn good. Big, physical, good route runner, large catch radius, can run. You know, he's like, you know, remains to be seen if he's really 6'3". Um, as I told you off air, he's kind of like A.J. Brown, who, who played at uh, Ole Miss, and, and that he's a big, physical guy. A.J. was listed, I think, at 6'2", and he's not even 6'1". He's like six foot three quarters of an inch but they're like they're the same physical size and that they're both 225 plus and can run uh what i as i told you earlier when i do receivers i put a lot of emphasis on the run after the catchability and, and that's why i got neighbors as my wide receiver one because he's as good as there is in the national football league after the catch let alone college. And those receiver coaches gravitate towards real good run after the catch guys because they're the guys that can turn a short pass into a long gain, make people miss, those types of things. And that guy, for a guy as big as this guy, his run after the catch is really excellent. And he's got, like I said, a large catch radius. Uh, looks as if he has big hands. We'll find that out. Uh, soon enough, but uh, no, I like him. Good player, probably going second round. Uh, but like I say, in other years, you could he could easily go in the first. But th this this class, shoot, I got like seven names. Yeah, seven seven great names here that I take in a heartbeat. You know, and they're going to help the team. You got Harrison, obviously, Malik Neighbors, uh, uh, Dunze, uh, Brian Thomas Jr., who is the uh, the opposite receiver. To neighbors at uh, LSU, a lot of people got him going in the first round. Keon Coleman from Florida State, Xavier Leggett, Xavier Worthy, who would be like Devonta Smith, former Alabama. He's skinny, but he can freaking run, and he's a return guy. And you, when you, when you watch him, once he gets the ball in his hands, and you see his burst, it's like you know he puts on the afterburner, Boom! you know. But but he's skinny. Uh, and and then uh, Troy Franklin from Oregon. These are all really good receivers, and I haven't even touched them yet. You're going to be getting really good receivers in the third round. I can't hear you. Can't Sorry. Hear you. There you uh, go. Sports Chicago style asks, Leggett has had injury issues. Are those red flags? That's up to the medical staff. Yeah. But he it's did. What, are, what was the injuries? Here's what happens. 
because it, it's a good question as we're getting closer to the combine. So let's say the guy had an ankle injury or he had a knee injury. Had a knee injury, but he didn't have surgery. Whatever. There's, you know, they have the history, the injury history, all these players when they get to the combine. Mm-hmm. And it used to be up to us, meaning the scouts, to get a lot of that stuff. Now the league is kind of taking it over because, you know, the trainers at the schools don't have time to be meeting with scouts every damn day and going over the same stuff day after day after day. So they have a, a liaison from the league office who reaches out to the trainers at all the schools and they get all the medical information, gets shipped to the league office. We have it at the combine. We find out what it is. Uh, plus, you know, just from going in there, you know, if a guy missed games because of what reason or whatever. But let's just say, and I don't know what this guy's injury history is. Let's say he had he, he had an MCL sprain or something like that. Well, okay. right after he gets off the bus at Indianapolis, going from the airport to the to the players' hotel, next thing he's doing is getting an MRI. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. You know, they. They start x-raying and doing MRIs soon as the player gets there. So they have that information that for the next day when they have their medicals. When they have their medicals, there's, just to explain this, there's six different orthopedic groups. And you got like four to six teams in each room. So you go from room one to room two to room three to room four, and the exact same thing is happening to you in in each room. It's just a different group of teams. And it, you know, it's, what's the word? It's time consuming, Mm -hmm. you know, in that, you know, it takes a long time, probably can be a little frustrating for the kid because he's getting asked the same questions, but all 32 teams deserve the answers. Sure. And the what's interesting also is that the teams interpret the injuries differently. You know, I the, the room that the Bears are in has six teams, I believe. And it's been the same six teams forever. Mm. You know, as long as I can remember anyway. And those teams, you know, share their information and you don't have, you know, like the guy get examined by six different doctors when he's in one room. One doctor does it, you know, one mm-hmm. out of the, the six orthopedic surgeons does it in that room. And, and they all take you know notes from what he says about the guy, but their interpretation can differ, just like a scouting report. Mm. You know, you might see a player a little bit differently than I see a player. And so your grade's different than my grade. Doesn't make me right, doesn't make you wrong. Doesn't make you right, make me wrong. It's 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 uh their opinion based on the information they have. So you can have a guy flunk one team's physical and he's passing 10 other teams' physical, you know, and, and that happens year after year after year in the league. Now, uh, a player you, that you've talked about a number of times on this show, a pass rusher you really like, Leal Latu. Latu. 
uh, late to, um, he uh, has had these injury issues with his neck and stuff, but although he played brilliantly this past season. Well, that's what I brought up. He had a, a similar surgery, I think. Exactly. Was, I kill your hip. Right. And I kill your came back and played, you know, for a long time in the league. Then mm-hmm. Jeff is asking if Leitu is deemed too much of a medical risk. Who's your number two edge that fits the Bears' profile? Is it Dallas Turner? Um, you know, it's a good question. You know, I could say Verse or Turner, but they're totally different players. Mm-hmm. Where Turner is more your speed rusher, like Will Anderson was last year, played at the same school at Alabama. And verse would be more like Montez Sweat. Okay. You know, you got two different body types. One guy's going to be 250. The other guy's going to be 270. Uh, you know, verse might play the wrong, probably plays the wrong a little bit better, can, can um, hold the edge be- a little bit better. But you know, you're, you're drafting these guys. The main reason you're drafting these guys is because they can rush the passer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that could be – I could have one guy number two and another guy number three, but it's what does Ryan and Fluce want to be opposite sweat. Yeah. And it might be a different, different type of player. <clears throat> Yeah, that's going to be one of the big questions this offseason is, you know, what are they going to do at that defensive end position and what's the profile? Uh, so we'll we'll learn that uh, in the coming months. Uh, let's get to our main topic, which is something I think that probably maybe half of the people watching live uh, do on their own, at least a, a partial big board, their favorite players going into the NFL draft. Here we are on January 29th. Uh, the Chicago Bears and 31 other NFL teams are probably in that phase where they're doing their preliminary board. Take us through that process, please. Well, they'll start. You got the Senior Bowl all next week. Right after that, most teams are within 10 days, but you, a lot of times be right after. Mm-hmm. Most teams meet, um, give or take two weeks. And you put together your first board. Okay, so if anybody says right now, uh, New Orleans Saints got so-and-so is their third quarterback, bullshit. That doesn't exist because the board doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Okay, and just about every team in the league does it pretty much the same way. And now what I used to, we, you do it by position. So you're not ranking the, the board best to worst. You're ranking position best to worst. You don't get to best to worst for the entire board until you get into April. Okay. Cause you're going to have guys with the same grades and then it's okay. Which one do you like better? You know, given that they got the same grade and you prioritize, etc. But when you do this, you're going through position by position, every player that you, that you want to talk about, you might have 80 players, but talk, 45 or 50 of them, you know, because there's other guys that do just say, I don't care what other teams have him. He's only a free agent for us. So, you know, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. Uh, but what I used to do when we had these, and we'd start like at 7.30 in the morning, go to like 
7.30 at night, so like a 12-hour day, is I'd start with the need positions first. Main reason being is after about 10 days, these things start getting crazy. I mean, you know, you're sitting in a room 11, 12 hours a day. It gets monotonous. You're starting to, your mind's starting to wander. You got to take more breaks. Uh, it, it's, it's not easy because you're doing the exact same thing day after day after day. Mm-hmm. So we do the important positions to us for that year, regardless of what they were thinking in free agency or whatever. But so, you know, if it was this year, you know, a lot of people think they're going to take Caleb number one. So you're doing quarterbacks. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, they have a big need for an edge. You do your edge players, etc. You might, you know, are you going to keep uh, Jackson? And, and if, and if you think they're not going to keep Jackson, they say, okay, we got to get safeties because you want to be fresh for doing those guys. Yeah. Right. Make sure you, you, you get them done. You might get a position done in a day, depending on how many players you got to go through. If it's a quarterbacks, then, uh, you know, that you're going to get that done in a day easily because there's just not as many players, but you, you, everybody who has written a report on that player gets his set. The first guy is generally the area guy, and he goes over the background and how he sees the player, etc. And you know, hey, Greg, Greg, when you say background, so you're also talking about his personality, character, character background, where he grew up, uh, everything. You're you're going through the guy, you know, head to toe, so to speak. And now the next guys, when I was with New York, you'd still read the, you know, you'd you'd read the whole report. And that got monotonous too. We cut that out here because it's like if you had gave me a report, and my report's pretty similar, hey, I agree with yours. Except for this, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 then you'd go on. But anyway, you you go through it, and then you know you might have four reports set, and there's no coaches yet. Coaches have not been involved in the process. Their grades get entered in when you have your meetings in April. The let's say we got four reports. There's the area scout, the cross check scout. Me and Jerry. Okay. And I don't put more weight in mine or more weight in Jerry's. You know, you got to be fair. And you're going to have different grades. And you're not going to average out the grades. You're really listening to what's being said. And so you're trying to get the best idea of what this guy really is. And then put a grade out. So that's your first preliminary grade. And as I've said before, if there was, say, the area scout who sees the guy more than anybody, the the cross-check scout, we always cross-check by position. So, like, one guy would have all the defensive line. So he had a really good idea how to stack the defensive line because he's done all. Okay. And... But anyway, if, if I had 
if my report was a lot different than one of the other guys' reports. Okay, so the first thing to me is like, well, my title's higher than yours. We're going wrong. You know, you, you, I can say, you know what? We got to watch tape together. Mm -hmm. And because we see this guy totally different. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, we take a break from the meetings, so to speak. We go into my office and we put on game tape. And my rule was, let's say you're, you're the scout. Okay. You know what I think. I know what you think. When we're watching this, I want you to look at this player through my eyes, and I'm going to look at it through your eyes. That's great. Okay. And then, you know, we're going to come to an opinion. And sometimes you're, you're going to come out of that meeting and say, you know what, I still feel the same way. Well, mm -hmm. chances are you can't take that guy because you're going to have a, a big discrepancy unless the coach comes in later on in the process mm -hmm. and really wants the guy. You know, and, and or something like that. So, and it's not saying I used to have a sign on the wall. It's not about who's right, it's about being right. Mm -hmm. And this is it, it's a team, it's a team exercise. Right. We're the Chicago Bears. It's about the Chicago Bears being right, not Jerry Angelo being right, not Greg Gabriel being right, not Chris Ballard being right. It's about all of us being right so we get the grade right. Yeah, that's one of the things that uh, I've carried over from your teachings is, you know, you can go ahead and change your mind. That doesn't matter. If you think I'm a goof for changing my mind on a particular player, then really you're the goof because when you acquire more information right. and you, you collaborate with other people and hear some of their opinions, it just might get you to change your mind on a particular player, and that's not a bad thing. Well, part, part of it's this. You can go, let's say I went into a school third week of September. They played three games. Mm -hmm. So if that was the case, I'd look at tape of all three games. I'd see practice. And I'd probably do a couple games from the year before, you know, to see if there was a difference in his play from the previous year to what he was doing this year. Did he get better? Did he get worse? Stay the same, whatever. But now his play during the year can change. Okay, so let's say the cross-check guy sees him in November, and he's looking at a lot of the later films, and he could be real good in the second half of the season, and he was average the first half of the season. You know, so that could – and you can use Caleb – for that. Mm -hmm. You look at Caleb just in the first half of the season and you look at Caleb last year, you're going it's Patrick Mahomes all over again. You know, very <laughs> similar, okay? But you got to throw in the last half of the season. And the last half of the season wasn't very good as compared to the rest. You know, so oh. that's how opinions change because you it's a very fluid process. And you've got to Make sure you, you can't get too steadfast in a way that I, I, on your grade because you, you got to be open minded. So when you see something different, say, I didn't see that before. And, and you know, and so that, and then you start seeing it and say, God, I missed that one. 
and, and a lot of times on a school call, mm -hmm. that can be the case because you might be doing five guys and you got like one day to go through five guys, you know. But now when you're just concentrating on one guy and you start seeing things a little bit differently, then your grade can change. Now, people think, well, you said this about a guy. Yeah, well, so what? I changed my mind. Am I allowed to change my mind? Absolutely is the answer to that. Um, you you just mentioned practice tape a little while ago. So uh, you're able right, to watching act. Practice. Watching practice. Okay. Not so you don't acquire practice tape from the schools. Well, the school, the school will let you watch it. Sure. Oh, okay. So it's, sometimes all the, it's, all, it's all digitized in the computer. Right. They tell you what you can watch and what you can't watch. Love it. Okay. And then. You say that coaches are brought in in April, right? So, at what what is the status of the big board when the coaches are now brought in? Is it much different than, you know, the preliminary board that you've described? Um. Well, there's a lot happens between now. Let's say you start your meetings next week. And you meet for a couple of weeks, then your scouts are off for a few days, and then they're going to Indy for the combine. And the combine, you're going to get verified measurables, which often you don't have with a lot of players unless they're in an all-star game. Mm -hmm. So that is part of the equation. The medical is a huge part of the equation. Mm -hmm. He flunks the medical, he's off your board. Real simple. So uh, regardless of how good he is, uh, and trust me, there's been times when we get guys that we really like, and then we come out of India and go, oh, fuck. you know, I can't take him, you know, and you just, you know, put him in the wastebasket, don't worry about it, and move on to the next day because you're the next player. But you get that information, you, obviously with some positions, how they test, is very, very important. You have to take into consideration that the majority of these kids have spent four to six weeks prior to the combine at performance schools doing nothing but not necessarily working on football drills, but mm -hmm. combine drills, proving their start of the 40 and, and, and uh, you know perfecting their 20-yard shuttle, three-cone drill, all that stuff. Uh, trying to get more explosive for the, the standing long jump and the vertical jump. And so, you know, sometimes it can be the numbers can jump off the chart and you can say, I don't see that on the tape. <laughs> and then you got to go back and look at the tape. I mean, it's mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. this guy just ran 4-3, but on tape he looks 4-6. And, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm – you know, using extremes there, sure. but it happens. And so, you know, so are what you see, are, are the times you get at the combine, is that real or is that practice? Okay. Mm -hmm. You, you expect a guy to do well. He's been practicing for weeks to do well. The red flag isn't, is that he doesn't do well. Because mm -hmm. what the hell, you know, you've had weeks to perfect this and you do shitty. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, it do doesn't make any sense. So, mm -hmm. but th the nice thing about the combine, and again, you take into consideration that they've been training and everything else, but for the 
exercise of comparing, you're seeing players at the same position do the exact same thing on the exact same day at the exact same place. There's no hidden variable. Love it. So that part for comparison's sake is, is important. Mm-hmm. So now, yeah, it, it now if they don't work out of the combine and they and they work at their pro day, you know, obviously the conditions come into play, but you got to use those times because that's all you got. Uh, unless he's running on a track, in which time you throw that time out, you add actually you add time to it because the running track is going to be faster than you know, running on, on field turf or something like that. Field turf is going to be field turf times the same as grass. Remember the old AstroTurf field? Oh, yeah. Sure. Okay. AstroTurf was faster than grass. Mm. So to com- when you tried to compare, you'd add a tenth of a second off a of field turf time to equalize it with grass. So if he ran 4.52 on AstroTurf, he got a 4.62 time. And this was across the league. This wasn't me. This is everybody in the league did this. You, you try to just equalize it. Fascinating stuff. So while this all this is happening, and so uh, what I want to ask is regarding free agency, this process, does it happen the same way with the available free agents or the anticipated available free agents? Because I assume they have to start looking at some of these pro players around now. Well, you're you got two different departments. You got a college department and a pro department. Does each have their own scouts? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we had we had three guys in the pro department. Okay. Some everybody's bigger than we had Mm -hmm. back then, but right now, but you know, most most pro departments probably got four. Okay. So you're going to well, let's let's. Let's back up a little bit because you were asking about the coaches and we didn't get all that. The coaches, you know, he's going to start. He's got his assignment within the last week or whatever. I want you to look at these 18 defensive linemen. They're not going to give them every guy to do. It's going to be selective. And and you have them stack those guys. They're going to do tape work. They're going to watch them at the combine. They're going to go to his pro day. If they got connections at the school, they'll call the school and, and, and talk to some coaches they know. But they'll and they may do a private workout with them. Now, interesting. The day we trade, the year we traded for Jay Cutler, go and that was what April fifth or something like that. It was you know, a few weeks before the draft. Our plan for the draft was to take an offensive lineman. So I was working real closely with Harry Heastan, who was the offensive line coach. And I'd have Harry, you know, going out and do different offensive linemen. That day, the day that trade was made, Harry had worked out two guys. And he calls me. (laughs) He calls me to tell me, and I said, Harry, I hate to tell you this, buddy. <laughs> you just wasted your fucking day. <laughs> what, what happened? I said, you don't have that pick anymore. 
<laughs> That's wild. But, oh, my God. But, you know, it, it, it's, and Harry was great. I mean, there's some coaches that aren't good evaluators. It takes time to, to find mm -hmm. out who's good and who isn't good. Harry was excellent. Yeah. And he could, Harry would go in and, I mean, like he'd come back and he'd tell you, he'd sit down with Jerry and I and he'd tell you right off, I want the scout. Now, I never, we didn't have them put a grade on like the scouts put a grade on because they didn't, you know, they weren't working within that grading system. So they didn't totally understand it. So we just made it real simple. He can start for us. He can be a real good backup for us. He'll make our team. He can't make our team. Make, I mean, keep it simple. That's, that works. Yeah. Absolutely. So he, um, you know, he come back tell you why he wanted the guy, why he didn't want the guy, but it wasn't just on the talent because he'd spend you know a long time with these guys on a private workout. He, there's a lot of times he came back. I don't want him. Why mm -hmm. not? He isn't going to last in that room. Mm -hmm. he, he just did not fit for the guys that are in that room. Now you got to you know who was in the room there. We had Roberto Garza. Ruben Brown, Olin Cruz, John Tate, you know, it's really good football players, obviously difference of personalities, but Harry would say, this guy, he ain't going to fit. Could be hard for him, you know, so, uh, and, and you've got to take that into consideration. Mm. So uh, right now the Bears have acquired these, this new coaching staff. Uh, help me understand how they're dividing their time because you want their input in April. So they've got to start watching film of some of these prospects. Well, they're, they're, let me clarify a little bit. Okay. The grade will, the grade we start doing, we're putting that final board together in April. Mm -hmm. We'll have their input in the, in other words, you know, let's say a guy had an A66 plus on, in, in, um, uh, February, and he's got an A68 plus in, in April. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because everything that happened between, you know, February, if the combine, the workout, private work, uh, et cetera, with the coach's input, we pushed them up. It can go the other way around, too. Because, you can, you know, I've said this a thousand times. You can never take a guy a coach doesn't want. Ooh, yeah, it won't work. Just <laughs> right. find a way for that guy to fail. <laughs> Sad but true, huh? <laughs> but anyway, to get back to what you're saying about free agency, the coaches are really doing a double whammy. That's why you can't overload them with the college stuff because right. they're also doing players at their position. But it's not like they're doing 25 free agents. They're doing, you know, there's a handful of guys that they know mm -hmm. they got to do. So. You know, the coordinator would do it. The position coach would do it. Probably the head coach would do it. You know, the people in the pro department will obviously have their reports. And then Ryan and probably Ian will have reports too. So you're going to have a lot of stuff and you're going to, and you're going to, they're doing the same thing as we're doing for the college. It's just a, a separate process. It's totally, you, you, you got to keep them separate from one another. That makes sense. Anything else regarding preparing the board that we should know that you'd like to share? Well, it's just that, you know, you do that for every single position. Mm -hmm. 
okay, now we used to create a quote hot list. And at the end of February, the hot list was pretty big. I mean, the hot list might be 175, 200 names, you know, all positions. Guys were, we'd be interested in, in drafting at some point in the draft. Gotcha. And you just keep cutting guys off that list. Come draft day, and again, it depended on how many, what rounds we had players in, like when you don't have a first round pick, you're you're lopping off a bunch of players right off the bat because you know you have no no chance at them. But come draft day, 85, 90, maybe 100 players. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, I love that. I never heard that. So there's a hot list of the players. That's that... We call it a hot list for the lack right. of, of a better term. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to make my own hot list. It'll have three or four names. And, 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 and like I said, these were guys we wanted. Yeah, right. They're, they were fits for what we did. They, they check all the boxes. Guys mm -hmm. that, you know, we got an opportunity to draft. We're going to, you know, you're going to prioritize guys, which one, you know, one player over another player. But that's the group you're going to draft. Nobody you're going to draft is not on that hot list. Mm -hmm. Love it. All right. All right. Uh, we've got tons of questions and about uh, 15 minutes left. So let's try to get through as many of these as we can. I'll start at the top. Tim Willis, even before the show started. Greg, it seems to me that there's an agenda to make sure things go in favor of teams like the Chiefs because they have the NFL's golden boy, Patrick Mahomes. Yet Justin Fields can't even get one roughing the passer penalty. Do you think there's any merit to the idea that the NFL pushes for officials to take care of certain teams and players? I don't know if they I'd agree that they pushed to take care of players. Mm -hmm. I, I think you earn that. It's just like in, in basketball, basketball and stuff, you know, that they um Justin's gotta earn spurs, so to speak. And all of a sudden he's, those calls he isn't getting now, he's going to get down the road. Frankly, I mean, some of it is bullshit because there's sometimes I mean, there's some calls that were just like crazy. Why, you know, you get you'd see Tom Brady. Somebody looks at Tom Brady the wrong way and they throw the flag, and mm -hmm. and and you can they can decapitate Justin Fields and nothing. Yeah, yeah, I you know I, I, my buddy Dan Aguirre, he hates Patrick Mahomes, hates the Chiefs because he thinks that they get favorable treatment and that it is a conscious effort by the NFL to uh, propel the, the star players into the star games, the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't agree with him, but I think the way you put it is so fair. There is kind of like an implicit bias. You know, this guy, you know, you don't want to you don't want to throw Tom Brady out of the game, despite the fact that he was just yelling at the referee and 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 acting in an unsportsmanlike way. So you're going to give him some slack, as opposed to a defensive back uh, who is not doesn't have star quality. You know, it's interesting because I, I read a thing yesterday, and there's people, <coughs> excuse me, talking about it on X and stuff that the league wanted Kansas City in. Because of the amount of money that Taylor Swift brings in, <laughs> just showing her face, and now so this 
this, <laughs> I think it was front office sports put it out or somebody out. The economic impact she has made on the Kansas City Chiefs this year is over $300 million. I saw that. That's unbelievable. Wow. Jeez. I wish she'd pop in on our show. <laughs> Come over and just smile at us. <laughs> She's a very attractive young woman, so that helps. <laughs> uh, Steve asks, uh, Greg, do you think the Bears will need to get Derrick Henry or Saquon Barkley this year? No, no. I mean, what people got to do is study what Polls has done in the past. Okay. Derek Henry, look up how old is he? Is he 30 yet? Mm-hmm. He might be. I don't have his age right in front of me, but he might be 30. I think he is, yeah. Okay. And this past year, there was a drop-off from previous years. Mm-hmm. Okay. And being the position he plays, there's going to be a bigger drop-off next year. Odds are greatly in that favor. Saquon Barkley has played now five or six years in the league. He's had an ACL. He hasn't been quite the same player. Dead flashes, but not quite the same player he was before the ACL. Mm -hmm. Especially at that position, Paul's isn't going to touch a guy like that. You know, he, the people he gravitates towards are guys who've been in the league four, five, six years, still relatively young, still have upside to them, and for the most part have been clean, you know, injury-wise, or fairly clean. That's who he gives money to. That's who he gives multi-year deals to. Mm -hmm. Now, will he give a one-year deal to a 30-year-old, 31-year-old? Well, yeah, if he thinks he's fine, that's a different story. But he's not going to give a multi-year deal because he wants to make sure that he has the best chances looking at at the different criteria that he uses that the acquisition is going to pay off. Makes total sense. Uh, Saran Glover is wondering, do you think that they chose an offensive coordinator with experience with the thought in mind that if Bluce doesn't work out, they can pivot to Shane Waldron during the season or immediately after the season. Do they make agreements with assistance like that? So, hey, uh, Shane, you know, if we're in need of a head coach, an interim head coach or anything like that, you'd be uh, top of our list, something like that. I really can't think they do something like that. Number one, they've never worked with the guy before. So do they really know him? Yeah. Okay, that's right. number one. Okay. Number two, you can't just elevate a guy unless it's already in the case of uh, New England and actually with, with Baltimore too, with Eric DeCasa. They had a preset plan in writing that the league had like at least a year in advance. That, you know, with Eric DaCosta, it was Ozzie Newsom was the GM. And Eric was the assistant GM. And had been there forever. You know, I think the only team that Eric ever worked for was Baltimore. So the league already knew. They've been notified that when Ozzie Newsom retires, Eric DaCosta is getting elevated to 
the general manager position. Okay, the same thing was with New England, with Mayo. Mm, okay. The league had been notified. So they didn't have to go through an interview process. Mm-hmm. It was already a done deal that that Mayo was going to take the place of Bill Belichick when he stepped down, retired, got fired, or whatever. It was predetermined and met the criteria within the league to be able to do that. But you can't do that in February. You can do it in February for next year, but you can't do it, you know, like during the season or yeah. or, or, or whatever. But you still got to go. So say you don't have that in writing, that, that uh, changing of the guard, so to speak. You still got to go through the complete interview process. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, Russell wants to know, do you have an opinion on Tulane's quarterback, Michael Pratt? Uh, I think he's a day three guy. Is he coming out? Because there was talk about him transfer and, and, and like he'd be a six year guy, I think next year. Let me see a quick Google search to see, uh, if he has, he's a really good college quarterback. I think he's limited once he gets to the NFL level. Could he become a starter? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, is he a day one, day two guy? I don't see it yet. But he's done a pretty good, damn good job at Tulane. He uh, declared for the draft in January. Okay. January so, uh, yeah, I would say Michael Pratt, unless he shows arm talent that you just didn't see it at Tulane, mm-hmm. um, I'd say he's a day three guy. Mm-hmm. Guy's a good guy. He's going he's to be playing in the league. Mm-hmm. May never be a starter, but he'll be playing in the league. Yeah, I want to address this from uh, Badass Warthog, my buddy here. He says he doesn't like the Rooney rule, hire for competency, not color of skin. You you want to address that first? Because I, I, I think there's a lot of a misunderstanding about the Rooney rule. It's about interviewing people, not hiring people. Right, but you're, you're, there's coaches. I got a lot of friends that are coaches that are people of color mm-hmm. and actually they don't like the rule. Okay. Tell me why. Because they don't want to be a gratuitous mm-hmm. Rooney rule interview. Right. They want to be interviewed on their own merit. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I think I personally, you know, I'm not in favor. I, I'm in favor of you hire the right people, re- regardless of color. Now, this year so far, I mean, if you look, but it's totally fair, four coaches are people of color. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or put it this way, not white, because Canales is Mexican. Mm-hmm. And um, it's – I don't think you should be – Forced into to hiring anybody, it, it's your. But at the same time, you need to do thorough investigation when you are in that process of hiring people. Right. That should include people from different ethnic backgrounds. 
Right. I think, you know, what proponents of the rules say is that a lot of the owners uh, are white and have not had a lot of exposure. Not a lot or all. Yeah. Well, isn't the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars? Uh, well, he's, he's uh, Indian. Right. So, you know, the the idea is, is that uh, a lot of these owners have not had a lot of interaction with African-Americans or people of color and so forth. And so you need to almost initiate that interaction. And so one of the things that the league has done, which I like actually more than the Rooney rule, is that they have set up like conferences where uh, people of color get to talk with owners and, and presidents and vice presidents of uh, football organizations so that they get to know one another. And that, I think, could be more effective than the Rooney rule itself. Well, you're right. And then you've got little Troy Vincent has been real big on this in that if you want people of color to be head coaches, you got to have people of color be coordinators. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's push the coordinator position because if you push the coordinator position, it's automatically going to go into the head coach position. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think now when you look at it, there's there's more people of color. And I don't want to say black because it could be, you know, like Robert Sala is is um, of Mideast descent. Mm-hmm. He's not white. Um it's, you, I think when you look at the coordinator positions, special teams, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, the number now is far different than it was even, say, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. eight years ago. I mean, you can see it. I mean, just, just look at the Chicago Bears. It was a, a black special teams coordinator, a, a black defensive coordinator, a black general manager, and a black president. Mm-hmm. I think that the tide has changed. Flex Diggs wants to know, can we get a Rooney Rule for white cornerbacks? <laughs> we had one in New York, the best one ever. <laughs> I love it. Hey, All right, back to, back to our questions here. You know what's funny when we had Jason? Uh-huh. There was guys that there was guys on the phone team that didn't know he was white. They just figure, oh, he's a, he's a, he's a corner. He's got to be a black guy. They get the game going. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> I remember people saying uh, Christian McCaffrey will never make it to the pros. You know, he's, he, and they were saying that because he is white. Yeah. And, and it's like, oh man, you got to judge the talent. So anyway, um, Jake says, does Greg remember his scouting report on Russell Wilson? I feel like his only negative was his size. You uh, scouted Russell Wilson? And all honesty, no. Okay. That happens. We don't... Yeah, no, that, 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 there's... You know, you write hundreds of reports every year. It, now, if if he would have been a guy that we were interested in taking, mm-hmm. being the position that I had here, then, yes, I would have written a report because there's not a guy we drafted that I didn't have a report on, mm-hmm. but now I might not have seen the guy in the fall, mm-hmm. but I would have at some point done a, extensive film work and, and written a report, but you know, he wasn't in the picture for us at that time. So mm-hmm. 
you know, I didn't, I didn't write a report. Okay. Uh, TJ Johnson says he really thinks that Waldron might reach out to Wes Walker about being the passing game coordinator. Do you, Greg, have any thoughts or insight into some possible names that could, that could, uh, like Thomas Brown, possibly join the staff? No. And passing game coordinator is really just a title. Mm-hmm. It's a way to say the guy's got a better job to, you know, so the, the other team, the team he's with can't say no to trying to interview him, mm-hmm. get you a few more dollars on your contract. But are you really the passing game coordinator? No, freaking offensive coordinator is a passing game coordinator. I love it. PJ wants to know uh, that, you know, oh, my gosh, I'm glad PJ brought this up because I had it on my list of things that I wanted to ask you. Uh, Jeremy Fowler over at ESPN was at the owners meeting and said that he is hearing from NFL executives that the Chase Young is most likely to be pursued heavily by the Chicago Bears. I can't believe that for a second, but Jeremy Fowler is reporting that NFL executives. Yeah, so what do you think? Greg froze a little bit there. Oh, we didn't lose Greg, did we? <laughs> Look at that pensive thought on his face. <laughs> I, I, you know, hopefully Greg will join us back there here. Shortly. There you are. You're back. Yeah, um, nothing is going. Nothing is going to change as far as the medical. They, they still don't have the medical. Mm-hmm. Okay, now go back and look at. You know, they ended up making the trade for Montez Sweat. And shortly thereafter, Chase Young goes to San Francisco, or it might have been a couple hours before, but he, but Chase Young didn't do shit in San Francisco. It was okay. Was he a difference maker? No. Okay, you're going to give him a lot of money? Why? I mean, you know, and he's a similar type player. I just think they want a different type of guy than, than sweat. You know, you want more of a, the speed guy going up, but that, that's my take. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll say, I mean, he can't say no. I mean, yeah, there's rumors that they want burns too, but I can't see mm-hmm. holes after giving sweat all that money that he's going to give burns 25 million. It just doesn't make sense from a cap viewpoint. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. I just don't see that happening. And frankly, I, I I don't know if he's that effective. He's outside of his rookie season, he's never had a full season where you could say, wow, he, he deserves Pro Bowl consideration. Just and for the now kind of money he, he had, wants. since he had that injury, yeah. he's been a guy. Yeah. Right. You know, and he missed a lot of time. He has come back. Uh and he'll probably, he's young enough that he probably still can get a little better. What I don't see is the explosiveness that we saw when he was at Ohio State in his first year with Washington. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a better way of putting it. Yep. Uh, Jake has two questions here I'd love for you to field. First of all, he said he asked, how long does it take most people, uh, uh, area scouts, before they get a promotion? 
if you're an area scout, I mean, what are the chances even that you're going to get that scouting director? Because wouldn't that be the next? Oh, no, regional scouting director. Well, would be- I mean, every, it's number one, it's how many scouts do you have? Mm-hmm. I mean, when I started with the Giants, we just had, you know, we had our scouts. And now you got regional scout, national scout. No part of it is money. Yeah. Oh, I'm promoting you to a national scout so that I can give you more money. Because let me gotcha. tell you something, in the league office, and every general manager has it, there's a scale. Mm. They know what the high, the low, and the median is for every single position. Mm. You know, scouting position, uh, for the different coaching positions and everything. The league, and like I say, the general manager has everything. I had a real good friend, so like when I had to do negotiations here, Jerry sure as hell wasn't going to show me that, you know. Mm-hmm. But I had another friend who was a GM. He'd give me the information. It's the highest, the lowest, the medium. Gotcha. Gotcha. For, uh, that, for your particular vision. Well, right. What's weird, though, is you can have you, – your, your pay is based on title. Mm-hmm. But title doesn't necessarily have to do with job description. Hmm. Tell me more. Well, okay, use uh, here. Or, or look at the Bears now. You have a general manager, assistant general manager, director of player personnel. You know, there's all these different layers. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and each one of those guys can get, you know, a good sum of money based on what that title is. Mm-hmm. Okay, but what's his? What's he really doing? You know, where we had Jerry, director of pro scouting, director of cow scouting. There was nothing else. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we were getting paid director of college, director of pro scouting money, even though we were doing a lot of director of player personnel job description. Gotcha. Yeah, you know what? It's it's weird because I'm I'm getting deja vu. Uh, this happened with many of my corporate jobs. I remember once I got promoted to a different level, and people were asking me, "What are your What are you going to be doing with this promotion? What What are your responsibilities?" Same thing, I guess. I haven't been told to do anything else. They just wanted to move me up a salary band so they could get more money because of my hard work. So uh, it sounds like it's very similar in the NFL, or at least some similarity. And then his second question was, did you ever interview to become an NFL general manager? If so, can you tell us the questions that you were asked? No, what I did was I interviewed, you know, the league picks people Mm -hmm. to do, like, pre-interviews. Okay. Okay, and the tape put on DVDs. Uh, put on DVDs then. They're probably, you know, just on the digital disc now. But anyway, I did that for the league at Indy. Now, the only thing is, is no one I found out about it. Uh-huh. I found out about it as I was driving down to Indy. So <laughs> you got a suit? Uh, you know, a guy from the league office tells me, uh, no. <laughs> I wasn't going to wear a suit in a combine. Probably three hours ago, I would have brought one. <laughs> you know, so, you know, I take what I wear to the combine. I had to go to, 
like check into the hotel and you you've been to downtown Indy, haven't you? You know, yes, a, yes. everything is right together. That, and then there's a big yes. lot on it. I had to go to a store and I ended up, you know, my, my wife was working for a different company that she works for now, but a retail company I had to call her to call the store so I could get the, the family <laughs> discount. So I had to go out and buy a suit and I said, now I got to do this interview tomorrow. So you got to do the alterations today. Today. <laughs> you know, so, oh, that, that uh, must have been but fun. Yeah, then that goes out to every team. Oh, cool. Go, go. Uh, uh, next question we got uh, from Sam Rush. What does Greg think about the Bears reaching out to Ohio State wide receiver coach Brian Hartline or LSU wide receiver coach Cortez Hankton? Both schools have consistently produced first-round wide receivers. Your thoughts? I think it's not going to happen. No? The, the guys – well, number one – Best of my knowledge, I, I you know Hartline played in the league, but he hasn't coached in the league. I don't know about the LSU coach, uh, but the position the last two years, wide receiver position here, is underachieved. We go DJ Moore, yeah, DJ Moore's by himself. Okay, the fact Darnell Mooney regressed the last two years. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was whatever happened with Chase Claypool happened. In fact, Bayless Jones hasn't lived up to his third round status. Tyler Scott hasn't set the world on fire. There's been no development within the room. And when you look at the names, of the guys, the three guys that are left, unless there's a fourth one that came out while we've been doing this show, they've all been guys that have coached a long time in the league mm-hmm. and have a proven track record of developing players. All right. Well, uh, I did just see that Cortez Hankton is interviewing with uh, LSU to become their uh no, I'm sorry, with uh, yeah. the Falcons to become their head coach. So uh, offensive coordinator, I should say. Apologize. Okay. Um, all right. A uh, couple more questions and we'll get out of here. J2K no, has an interesting – Wait, he's, he's interviewing to be the offensive coordinator? Let's see if I got this wrong. Because he, he wasn't the offensive coordinator at, at, at LSU. He was, Falcons have requested an interview with LSU co-offensive coordinator. Oh, he's Cortez. co-offensive coordinator now. Yeah. It wasn't last year. This is according to Ian Rappaport. Okay. Uh, so, um, uh, J2K asks, do NFL bloodlines improve where you draft a player? Example, Braden Rice, Mushin Muhammad, Luke McCaffrey. Uh, do you guys take into account NFL bloodlines at all when scouting guys? Not really. Then you're cheating yourself. Yeah, it seemed to me. Yeah. You got to, you know, you got to. What's the tape set? Mm-hmm. Is he a player or isn't he a player? In fact, it, it, interesting. I, I, you know, I do some work for the agents, as you know, and I had to do it. I'm not going to say the player's name, but I had to do a player might be in next year's draft, might be two years. He could be either or. His dad played in the league, and his dad was pretty damn good. 
So, and I just did this guy this morning. So, do I automatically think, well, first of all, he plays a different position than his dad. But do I automatically think that he's going to be good? No. You know, you said in the report, he was a starter this year, but he got hurt, missed a couple games. And the guy who took his place might be better. So, he said, you know, so I don't think it's a lock that he's going to be a starter next year. Yeah. That's interesting. All right, last one. Uh, let's see. I'm going to pick one here. Um, sophisticated thought. To either Greg or Aldo, do you think Chris Beatty will be the new Bears wide receiver coach? Came, he came later in the podcast, so he didn't hear if Beatty's name was mentioned. He's one of the three that we know of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I – I know I kill you as a player. I don't know I kill you as a coach. I know Rob Moore as a player from years ago when he was at Syracuse. Don't know him as a coach. But I did make calls on him, not on Beatty, that Rob Moore's reputation with people he's worked with is way up here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Beatty has a, you know, with the Chargers, done a pretty good job with those guys. Okay. And and I know Ike, as I mentioned earlier, Ike, you had a reputation as a up and comer and, you know, bright young guy, and he's done some good work. You know, I, I think it gets down to, um, who do they feel is the best fit and who is the, the best teacher to, you know, you got to have really good communication skills with these kids mm-hmm. and, you know, who's the, the best motivator. Daryl Drake, like I said, wasn't when, when he was here, he wasn't really a hollerer. He would every once in a while, but, you know, he was the type of coach that would love you to death and could really uh, explain things and, and teach things very, very well so that you wanted to play really good for him. Mm-hmm. You know, and then Parcells would, you know, he'd kick your ass. But <laughs> there's other guys that, you know, Parcells is the king of, you know, there was this old saying of you got to treat each player the same. Mm-hmm. And he throw that one out the window. He said, find out where their button is. And do whatever you got to do to push that button. That's that's the way to do it. You know, whether it's love them or kill them. Yep. Yep. Every, everybody, everybody receives information in different ways. Some people are more visual, so you got to teach them by showing them. Some people are more auditory, so they want to listen to. Some people are whatever it is. You got to figure it out, okay. and that's how you teach. You know, I think I told the story that, you know, when we, when we drafted Devin, we did a lot of research on Devin. Mm-hmm. And went into that draft knowing that we wanted to come out of that draft with Devin Hester as a Chicago Bear. Mm-hmm. And part of it was found out that he cannot be hard coached. He will go in the tank if you try to hard coach him. Yeah, I love Devin Hester. And Daryl Drake was his coach, and Daryl loved him. That's the way it worked. Do you think that, uh, you know, 
towards the latter part of his career with the Chicago Bears, um, he didn't. I don't think he felt like he was being loved by the Bears for some reason. Or, or maybe I, you know, the last I mean, that was after I was gone. So right, right. Um, maybe it was Jake. Yeah, De- Devin was. I, Devin wasn't a natural. Devin was a natural, but not a natural. Does that make sense at, at any given position? Yes. And part of that, you know, he's at the. He played three different positions in Miami. You know, mm-hmm. nobody could find, oh, let's put him here. Let's put him here. Let's put him here. Because mm-hmm. when he had the rock in his hand, it was magic. You know, so we originally worked him out and drafted him to be a corner. It was because he was, you know, down the list. He was like the number five corner as a rookie mm-hmm. uh, or number four. He but as because he was that, he had to play receiver on the scout team. And he'd be burning people every day. So <laughs> let's get this guy over on the other side. <laughs> That's the way to do it. <laughs> I love it. Great stories. Greg Gabriel, uh, great job. One hour and 45 minutes exactly on the nose right now. Uh, you want to do this again next week? <laughs> yes, sir. I do too. We got a lot to talk Let's about. Do it, um, Monday again. Tuesday's bad. Okay. We'll have okay, the Shrine Bowl got... game. We'll have the, the Shrine Bowl. Bowl. Yeah, the Shrine Bowl's Thursday. The Senior Bowl is Saturday. Right. So we'll have the All Star games to talk about. Yep. A little bit. Uh, yeah. And, and we won't have a pro game to talk about because there is no pro game. Correct. We will probably have a full coaching staff to talk about outstanding or just about a full coaching staff to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll go from there and we'll come up with some other stuff. Anybody got any ideas and, and maybe I can reach out. I, I don't know what Jerry's schedule is. Maybe he's available next oh, week or the week after. Let's see or if, we can... if you could get Eric on uh, next week after the Shrine Bowl game, I would love to get his take on what he uh, what he liked and didn't like. I'm going to say Eric would be better like the week after only because I know he's going to be doing, you know, right now he's on like no sleep mode. And, you know, then he's got to decompress a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he'll be working, you know, for a few days down in, in Dallas on next year and stuff. So I'll, I, I want to give him a little break and then we'll get, then we'll get Eric on. Sounds good. And Jeff already uh, has come up with a show idea or a topic idea. Greg's favorite bears potential free agents. And that's a great topic to talk about. So yeah. we'll, you know what's funny because it, it, it's, and to go back and look, every single name that was tied to the Chicago bears last year, free agency, uh-huh. not one's a Chicago bear. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. You know, they, they, it's like the CIA in that building. They're not going <laughs> to. That's right. You know what is also weird is it seems like every year uh, we, we we discuss almost every player available in the draft, and the Bears come up with a couple of names that we never heard of. They drafted this kid out of uh, – where is it, University? <laughs> so we can't cover them all, but well, we'll try. Hey, you know, that's because you know scouts hit every damn school. Mm-hmm. You know, they see guys they like, 
And if they really like the guy, they're going to jump on the table for him. Hey, we got to yep. get this guy. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right. So I'll see you next week, Greg. Uh, we'll be in touch in between. And for everyone uh, watching, uh, make sure you uh, subscribe to the Barroom Network. We've got a lot of football coverage coming up this week and over the next few months. Thank you all for watching. We'll see you next time. Thank Bye-bye. you. See you later.